I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. So who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you are? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you are? This week on the Dallas Famous Podcast is Dave Henson. Dave owns Killer Vintage Guitars here in Dallas, his second shop along with the original in St. Louis. Henson also makes guitar pickups used by Steve Miller, The Edge, and Keith Urban, just to name a few. He's the guitar expert for the upcoming season of Pawn Stars to be filmed here in Dallas. He's the main guitar advisor for Heritage Auctions, guitar appraiser on Antique Roadshow, and he helped write the price guide for Vintage Guitar Magazine. He's friends with Billy Gibbons and Vince Gill, and of course, he still plays live. Sit back for this great chat with Dave Henson. We're back here at the Dallas Famous Podcast. I'm sitting in Killer Vintage Guitars uh, in in Dallas with Dave Henson. Hi. Hi. <laughs> good morning. Good, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. It is morning. Um, I mean, let's just jump in with, uh, so I'm aware that the, that this is not the first uh, Killer Vintage <coughs> shop, right? There's one in St. Louis. That's yeah, where the original store is in St. Louis, and it's still going. I mean, it's it's been there since 94 is when I opened that. But I had been dealing guitars since the early 70s, I mm-hmm. would say. You opened that one. I opened that one, yeah. Okay, and so, um, so you, okay, since the 70s, okay. And then, um, I mean, let's just jump straight past it to like what brought you to Dallas. Uh, I was around 2009, oddly enough, I'd opened the second store <coughs> in a concert venue in St. Louis called The Pageant. Mm. And um, at that same time, I got a call from, there's a big auction house based here, Heritage Auctions, and um, they called and asked me to, work as their guitar expert primarily electrics which is my strong point so um i started doing that and over the course of the first year or so around 2010 i was like why isn't there a cool vintage shop in dallas because there wasn't then um so i decided to do it and actually there was a friend of mine in denver uh, who used to be in houston he was actually one of the first vintage dealers kurt lindhoff Kurt was famous for infamous for he sold Dwayne Allman his the Dark Burst the one he bought in, at, at the Fillmore in seventy one oh, wow. and then he uh, he also unearthed in San and both these guitars came out of San Antonio oddly enough um, Kurt's store was in Houston called Specialty Guitars and uh, the second one was the Futura which was a prototype of the ex- what, what later became the Explorer hmm. in, in nineteen fifty eight. Um, but yeah, Kurt and I were—he was—he was my best friend, and we were had talked about opening a store in Dallas. And then Kurt passed away in fourteen. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. So, wow, here it is, and it's been okay. And I'm still working for Heritage Auctions as the guitar expert. Um, my other—I have no other skills, just guitars. <laughs> it's a pretty. I, you're pretty, yeah, I mean, but you're pretty good skilled at it. I so play music around town with several different variations and. Um, I have been the guitar. Um, I read at one of the writers of the Vintage Guitar Price Guide for Vintage Guitar Magazine and the Blue Book of Guitars advisor. 
And I've been uh, praiser on the Antique Roadshow over the last few seasons, and now I'm the uh, guitar expert on Pawn Stars. Oh, wow, okay. Which we'll be filming here in May. In Dallas. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, scoop. <laughs> okay, well, so, but, I mean, so, but Dallas specifically, it's just you came here and you just saw this need because of... Well, partially, and I've had a lot of friends of mine. Uh, there's a local blues legend named Bugs Henderson, mm-hmm. and Bugs and I were really good friends. My band opened for his band when he played St. Louis for years, and he had been, he said, why don't you come to Dallas? Why don't you go open a store in Dallas? Why don't you get a killer vintage in Dallas? And it's like, yeah, all right. So, um, and I guess I sort of had a tie to Dallas anyway, because most people in the music world, as David Crosby told me one time, your T-shirts are legendary. Mm. I said, so are you. But um, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I did the, I'm the guy that did the Oswald shirt, where it always looked to me like Oswald was singing, so he has an Elvis mic, and then, the Dallas homicide detective J.R. Lavelle has the 335, which is mine, which I still have. Um, actually, he used to come out to guitar shows in the 90s and sign posters and T-shirts for people oh, in, wow. in my booth. He was actually a guitar player. Interesting. Too. That's cool. Yeah, wow. I mean, you're just, like, I just do guitars, but like all the different things you're doing just with guitars is it's a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, was part of the reason too the scene here? I mean, the the, the well, music- it's a great music scene here. I mean, that's, there's between here and and in Fort Worth, which I really need to learn more about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's happening. St. Louis, unfortunately, used to be a uh, hell. It's this home of rock and roll. It all started there with Chuck Berry and Ike Turner, mm-hmm. and Albert King lived there. And, um, but the past since the last twenty years, really, it's sort of just become nothing there's no real scene there mm. for new music there's a lot of tribute bands and yeah. outrageously successful tribute bands it's frustrating that's a i mean that's a whole other when animal. you see um there's a band there i don't want to say too much about because two of the guys work for me at my shop in st louis <laughs> but they do a pink floyd thing mm. called them on and last year they sell out the amphitheater for twenty-two thousand seats wow and in living color opened for the tribute band. What are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. That's I've never I'm not gonna comment on yeah. it either, but other than like a city festival, I've never heard anything like that. Right. Crazy. Um yeah, also, I mean, I'm around at a lot of shows. I feel like maybe more Americana type, and I'll see you there, and it seems like you're teching or you're bringing guitars. What what are you doing exactly? Well, I do tech for um uh Texas gentlemen when when they um uh, are Ryan Bingham's backup man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So technically, I'm working for Ryan Bingham, but but they're fabulous. What a fabulous band! The Texas yeah, gentlemen. I love those guys. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, I think I've, I actually I got wind of them when I first was in Dallas working on the Chevy Music Showcase. They were backing up Creamer and then Leon Bridges for uh, that, and right. so and I was like, we should just do a whole show about them, and then the show ended, so we didn't get uh, to. But yeah. no, they're they're amazing. Nick Lee's one of them. Yes, craziest best guitar players ever. Yeah, I told somebody he's, he's like a. It was Doyle. They were opening for Archangels last year. Yeah, I went out with him on that, and Doyle said something, and I said, "Dude, I said you got to listen to Nick." I said he's a co- combination of Lowell George and Jeff Beck huh. rolled into one. Yeah, yeah, no, and he's so humble, and I feel like more people should know about him, but he's just so humble. It now is. Nick works here part time. He's doing, oh, does he? He's doing our videos for the guitars, the oh. listings. Oh, cool. Awesome. He just started doing that this week. Yeah, I mean, I I must have I must have seen him in 
seven, eight times. I mean, I was at that show you're talking about. And it was a great one. Oh, yeah, right. Um, so wait, let's back up too. So you said you you opened for some of these guys. So you're still playing guitar. You said I do. Yeah, I yeah. play. In a, I'm playing a duo with this fabulous girl singer from here, and there's another band I play in. And, and then a friend of mine, Dean Fearing, the chef. Um, I play in his band, but although we haven't been doing anything for a while, we will again. Mm-hmm. So right enough to keep me uh, out of get me out of the house. Right off the couch. <laughs> yeah, keep it going. Um, so obviously, this place has. I mean, well, you're friends with some legends, but there's some legends that come in here. Can we talk yeah. about some of those people? Sure. I mean, first off, uh, well, you're friends with Vince Gill for a while, you said. Yeah. 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 Vince is great, yeah. Yeah. How did you guys meet? You know, he was playing in a band with some guys from St. Louis, uh, a guy named John Chump and this steel player named uh, Bob Breidenbach, and, and we all went to high school together. I mean, Vince is a little bit younger than me, not, not much, a little bit. Um. So he was playing with those guys, and that's he actually left that band to move to L.A. and join Pure Prairie League. So that was around mid-70s, I guess, mm-hmm. is when I ran across Vince for the first time. And then we sort of became, sort of lost touch and then got back in touch, um, actually through his wife's old guitar player, a guy named Will Owsley, who commi- unfortunately killed himself uh, the night of the Nashville flood. Mm-hmm. Um and but then since Vince, since then Vince and I were really close. He's gotten some great guitars for me. He swears the best acoustic he owns he got for me mm. about eight years ago. It's a 1929 uh, Martin OM 45. Mm. Just oh wow! You can hear angels sing. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I bet. Also, God, name is leading me right now. But um, ZZ Top, Billy. Yeah, yeah, Billy Gibbons. Yeah, Billy's great. Yeah, Billy's <clears throat> Billy and I. I've known Billy off and on. We, again, it's one of those where I met him back in the seventies, eighties, maybe, and then over the last ten, twelve years, fifteen years, probably. We got he's but he's the Reverend's great. He just mm-hmm. you may hear from him for a while, and then you may not for a while, and then you will, <laughs> and then he'll just turn up. Nice, but no, he's great. He's um actually he. I've been working on this project, building, making a PAF pickup. PAF is the humbucker Gibson came out with in 57 through 61 or two. Um, and that's the sort of the holy grail of guitar pickups, humbuckers anyway. Um, and I've been working with this Japanese lady in L.A., Sayoko, to make one that sound, make a pickup that sounded exactly like that, which we did. And Gibbons heard him. He's got him on all his guitars and asked him, do you want a partner? But, so we're sort of um, huh. entwined through the pickup thing again now. So That's cool. That's very cool. Um, also, so I, I have a mutual friend, and he said that you have talked about being around the Grateful Dead early on. Is that right? Yeah, I used to know those guys really well back in the early 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, John McIntyre was their manager, Uncle John's band. Yeah. Um, and he he was a St. Louis guy. Bill Kreisman was a St. Louis guy too. Oh, he went to Wash U. Um, so yeah, I, I knew those guys pretty well for huh. a few years. I mean, back, I mean, did, back like, in the day, right? But when they tried, the, there's a really cool old theater in St. Louis called the Fox Theater. It was built in the 20s, uh, maybe 30s, but it's ornate and gorgeous, absolutely fabulous. But it was had sort of become a little bit not so 
shining light back then. Mm. And they tried to buy the theater from in the city block, the sale. They didn't want them to own. Oh, no. And some billionaire ended up buying it and restoring it, which is still going. It's right. And I think they played, they played shows there after that, too, I believe. I right. don't know if they played there anymore after, after that. Or maybe it was before that. Yeah, there's some classic shows from Fox Theater. But yeah, the, through, through around, I think it was around 72 or 3 mm. is when they tried to buy it. Huh. Didn't, didn't happen. No, I wonder how that would have, how music would have looked if they would have ended up planted there instead of San Francisco. Yeah, well, so like I say, back then, St. Louis had an incredible music scene. I mean, you used to see the, almond, the well, what became the, the Hourglass played, they used to play in teen clubs when I was like 13. We'd go see this place up by the airport called the Castaways. It was underneath a gro- IGA grocery store. It was the uh-huh. basement of the grocery store. It was a teen club. Nice. And the Hourglass played there. Well, there was an area in St. Louis that, again, St. Louis is known for doing everything wrong you should do with a city. If you want to look at it, just look at everything they've done. Um, There was an area called Gaslight Square. Um, In the 50s, 60s, it was like the hotspot. It was one of the had-to-play places like Smothers Brothers, Phyllis Stiller, all the big community, Barbara Streisand, all those people played at Gaslight Square, or in Gaslight Square, which is sort of like the Reaper Bond would have been in Hamburg where the Beatles played. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> but the city again destroyed it by the late sixties. It was pretty bad mm. crime and a lot of empty buildings as people, businesses were moving out because of the crime and whatnot and the city wouldn't do anything to do it. But that's where those guys would play, um, in the crystal palace. And there was another one, something twenties, but sometimes they'd get up there and the club would be, and they usually stayed at a friend of mine, Joe Marshall's house. In his basement, in his parents' house in Florissant, and then um, they get up, and there wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be a gig because I'd end up playing over at the Castaways, you know, squeezing them. There'd be like four bands sometimes a night, mm-hmm. and they'd be one of them. Hmm. It's funny. That's where I, m- I met Dwayne around that '67, uh, probably. Okay, he was in a music store, uh, Tower Grove Music. We heard <laughs> a couple friends of mine were walking in. And we heard this guy guitar playing from the second floor and it was like the fuck is that <clears throat> there was this guy chuck connors who had above this place called tower Girl music above he had chuck connors professional music and he had like real marshals and boxes and all this english gear that nobody had seen yet and Dwayne was up there with um this guy joe marshall that i mentioned earlier who um ended up with his guitar the one the fillmore guitar after he d- passed away, and he he had it and played in bars in St. Louis for 25 years until well until Dwayne's daughter Galadriel was old. I think when she was 21, he gave it to her, mm. and she still has it. I think it's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or it might be at the Big House. But they, um, you know, that's Dwayne. We asked the store owner, "Who's playing up there?" And he goes, oh, "Some friend of Joey's." And he came down, and Joe introduced us all to him. And, he told Chuck, he said, I'm going to get me one of the Marshalls. That was the first time he played through a Marshall, <laughs> supposedly. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. Hey, let me let me like go back even further. Like, for you, like, what, first of all, what drew you to music? Like, what was the first music that, as a child or whenever that? You know, my my dad played guitar, and his, my uncles, they had, like, a little band back way before, in the 40s, and, you know, played on the radio in uh, St. Louis. And <clears throat> my sister sang. They used to drag me to a lot of gospel concerts. I saw the Blackwood Brothers, the Statesmen, and all those touring, you know, vocal mm-hmm. groups. 
which was really cool, actually. Yeah. I'm glad I am. I grew up in a Baptist church where the music was good too. So okay, that's the one thing you'll 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 find guitars and those kind of churches. Interesting, because um, the music is really yeah. And then what? I mean, important. what was it about the guitar <clears throat> specifically that drew you in? You know, I was fifth grade. I came home from uh, with a slip to join the school band, <clears throat> and he was um, I, I could play drums, and I brought it home and my dad said there's no way you're playing drums so <laughs> he gave he took his guitar and we went over to their local my local music store and a lot of people all know who is this guy mel bay and mel bay actually wrote a book that everybody of our generation learned to play out of i mean worldwide mel bay huh. the method you learn to play guitar with you know, mel was from st louis and had a store in st louis he my dad he was my dad's teacher in the 40s so I went started taking lessons over at Mel Bay's place. Uh, I was eleven, huh. and then the Beatles hit a couple of years later, and I was like, I was playing Ventures and Dwayne Eddy stuff. That's <laughs> pretty cool. That nice, um, and yeah. So you know, it's something my mom wished I'd outgrown, but it seems to have worked out okay. <laughs> it seems seems like it. Um, I was actually uh, wondering about the guitar pick collection. Like apparently in St. Louis, like everybody brings their picks in. Oh, I've got a bunch of yeah, I have a pile, of cans full of picks. Right, some from over the years, like some pretty interesting ones. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can go through those sometime if you want. Yeah, okay. I mean, I heard a rumor that you have a Jerry Garcia pick. Maybe I don't know. What's you don't even. <laughs> okay, well then we're definitely gonna have to look there's, through that. Who and Stones and Eagles and. Who, who's like the who's is there been anybody that's come into the shop that you were just like okay that's a i'm a little bit jarred by that uh the only person i've ever been sort of at, at a loss or maybe possibly starstruck was jeff beck huh. when i met jeff it's like and he was really cool but i was just afraid to it would be like meeting he to me the only other time was in the early it was in 80 summer of 80 i was in new york um we walked into a deli and let john lennon was walking out oh it was uh, um you know near the near the dakota not far central uh, central park and susie was like Did you can talk to him no, no <laughs> talk. He'll, i'll say something stupid and he'll rip me to shreds there's no <laughs> walk by Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, that'd be pretty intense. But with Jeff, was he like coming into for the shop or you just saw him somewhere? Uh, I went out to the, <coughs> I mean, it's a Toyota mm-hmm. um, here. Okay. Three years ago, four, five. I have no concept. Oh, just since, recently. Since COVID, I have no concept of time. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I say yesterday, it could have been 15 years ago. I don't yeah, know. I can see that. I feel that. <laughs> what what's uh what are some of your favorite guitars to play i sort of my well my idol guitar when i was a kid um after i learned to play a little bit it was an es-335 gibson es-335 which i have a few of those um and mainly that was because of johnny rivers i remember seeing johnny rivers on like those afternoon teen shows or whatever Lloyd Thaxton or whatever, and Johnny always played a red 335. I was like, that's what I want. I want one of those. Hmm. So that's what I got. And 
it's uh, uh, funny a friend of mine um this guy Vic Dupre who's done all the Sunburst Les Paul books the Burst Believers one two three four five or something uh now he's doing one on ES and I'm trying to link him up with Johnny Rivers because he's he's one of the but I mean Garrett Clapton played a red 335 and cream most of the cream stuff is at 335 mm-hmm. uh, Alvin Lee um there's you know, it's a, it's a one. Of, it's the one guitar you can play any style music on, right? Jazz, to rock, to blues, whatever, country even. Um, Telecasters is my probably other mm-hmm. Les Paul Juniors. Any guitar, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> any old American guitar, right? I want I. I feel like I blew through the questions, but I feel like I, I want to ask more stuff. Like, is there is there some maybe some story? that like maybe some crazy night out with <clears throat> Billy or with, with mm, Vince. I probably can't go there. Well, I mean, one, <laughs> one that you could go to, like maybe, maybe not crazy in a sense that like you did something that was like, Oh my God, I don't want anyone to know more like maybe you're, you're teching and there's something nutty happened with an instrument or like, you know, I've only done the teching thing for the gents. I, I've never, otherwise I've oh, just okay. been there selling guitars or hanging out. Cause oh, okay. When I see you hanging out, sometimes I think I'm, I'm thinking you're there working. Maybe you're just chilling. Yeah, I mean, usually, um, like in in St. Louis, there. Back in the late '60s, we all figured out there were like four of us: a guy named Dan Martin, Ed Seelig, and me, and Bobby Ritzer. All figured out you could go to a show with a guitar, and just go to the stage door. <laughs> back then, there was no security; they were all off-duty cops, uh, oh and they'd let you in. You'd, probably saw a guitar or hang out anyway and see the show. So it was like, well, this is dope. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. So that's sort of how, you know, a lot of us got into that business. Oh my gosh. That's great. I never, I never thought about it. <coughs> but that's the way it was that. Yeah. Know, there was no security companies or it was just off duty cops. Well, also there wasn't. And we were in St. Louis after a while. It was the same ones. So they knew you, you know, you show up, Hey, what do you got? All right. I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like, I mean, you, you don't have a shop yet at that point, so it's a good way to like get guitars in and out. There weren't any shops. I mean, there were like music stores then. You know, guys with suits and sheet music and guitars. And oh right, yeah. Can I help you with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're doing that wrong. Play it quieter or something. <coughs> yeah. Or don't touch that. I mean, did you did you like take like music like classes like theory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I took theory and all that stuff in college. Okay. And then I took guitar lessons. At Mel Bay for I guess like two years, two, about two and a half years. But then I, you know, I just kept figuring stuff out on my own. Make my teacher mad because you're not reading that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> right. Maybe. Maybe I am. That's uh, funny. Because <laughs> I, you know, that's learn to figure stuff out by ear. Yeah. Which exactly. is what most. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I very few. Well, it's the joke of how do you get a musician? How do you, especially a guitar? How do you get a guitar player to turn down put sheet music in front of them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really true. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I was like in choir and stuff and sax in school, but then guitar, I just that's all just by figuring it out. Right. Like, right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way. Mm-hmm. What yeah. are are there some? like favorite memories at shows here in Dallas that you can think of, whether you were just there or you were playing? Well, I started coming down here in the 80s for mm-hmm. guitar shows. Oh, okay. So I was here twice a year for Dallas, which was always in March, and then Arlington around 85 or 6 is when Arlington started. But Charlie 
words was Charlie's Guitar Shop is the one who started the guitar show thing. Seventy mm. nine, I think. I'm, I may be off on the date, but somewhere around there. The first one I went to is probably around eighty one, eighty two, um, and then Arlington uh, started in eighty six. I went. I've been to every one of those mm. except for one, I think. So I was. That's that was started the whole Dallas thing, I guess, and then in ninety. Four, I was a friend of mine. We were partners in another store before that, but um, in '94 is when I started Killer Vintage, and I had the idea. There was a the history of the Oswald picture. Go is sort of a lineage of. Um, there was a sort of a B movie underground movie uh, from this little movie company in Austin, I think, called Slackers. It mm-hmm. came out in the '80s, right. There's a scene where a guy walks in with a T-shirt on, and it's just Oswald holding an SM57 mic. A friend of mine's band, uh, which had the greatest name in St. Louis, uh, called the Swinging Love Corpses, (laughs) (laughs) did a poster with sort of that, but not done as well, with just Oswald and those guys standing there. Well, um, then I took it a step further and put the guitars in, created the logo and whatnot, but everybody was cool with. So it was, you know, as Joe Walsh said, amateurs imitate professional steel. (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, So when you were coming to those shows early Dallas, were you spending a lot of time in Dallas, just kind of in and out? Coming on like a Thursday, load in, drag down 40 or 50 guitars and sell a bunch of them and buy some and then, Go back Sunday night and go to Camp PC's and have pizza and, and hit the road at like 10, 30, 11 and drive straight through till like 8 or 9 in the morning and get back to St. Louis. Right. This is a nine-hour drive. Wow. No matter what you do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and we kind of blew past this uh, antique road show. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's, I mean, Pawn Stars, I mean, that's so, like your expertise is to the point where people... Like you're the guy. It right. sounds like that's pretty cool. Yeah, again, I have no other skills. Yeah, but I, I mean, some people have one skill, and they nobody cares about their one skill. Right. Well, yeah, and <laughs> so. that happens in the uh, in the guitar world too. This one of my favorite, and this is incredible. George Gruen in Nashville. There was a guy raving to him about some instrument that he had, and on and on and on. He wasn't that interested, and finally the guy was like, "But George, this is really rare." His reply was, and this is brilliant. He goes, well, leprosy is rare, but nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which uh, can happen. I have people come in, well, this is really old. Okay. Did you ever have any dealings with Stevie Ray Vaughan? I met Stevie when, um, this is an interesting story. Albert King was a St. Louis guy. Um, around the time they did that film up in uh, Canada, I think it was the TV show where it's Stevie and Albert. Mm-hmm. His bass, Albert's bass player, it was Albert's band. His Albert's bass player is a guy named Gus Thornton. And Gus and I had been friends for years. Actually, Gus played in my band after that. And, um, most of the '90s until around 2000, he had a heart attack. He's, who's since had a heart transplant, and he's still going. He's still a great bass player. Hmm. Um, Anyway, I met him through, through Gus, briefly. Mm, okay, and I mean, Jimmy, I remember the first time I saw him. Yeah, 
was had to be like 83 maybe he opened for Huey Lewis in the news huh. and it was like and I had dealt with Chris Hayes Huey's guitar player and sold him a lot of stuff and, and that whole, all those guys are really nice and I was like but and I'd seen him before but after Stevie I made it through like two songs of Huey and it was like I my mind's blown I have to leave <laughs> I yeah. couldn't I could, <laughs> I could see that. It's like when Jimmy Hendrix opened for the Monkees or something, almost. Well, and then the antithesis of that is in '90, uh, Jeff Beck and Stevie were doing the tour where they'd swap opener who would open, and they played at the Fox Theater that we spoke of um, earlier. Jeff opened for Stevie, and Jeff was just blew the roof off the place. Mm. Stevie came out, and I'd seen Stevie a lot. He sounded great, but by the second song, it was again. I went out to the lobby. When I got in the lobby, every guitar player in St. Louis was in the lobby talking about Jeff Beck. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. And then sadly, Stevie died that year. You know what? You know what? We, I was in Chicago. My dad was a, a, a journalist, and there was a tour. It was going to be Buddy Guy, Eric Clapton, Stevie Ray, I forget who the fourth person was. Probably Robert Cray. Yeah, Robert Cray. Yeah, and because that's the group that was up in. Yeah, so basically. They, had a, they had a press conference set up, and there was thirty people going to go, and they were going to do a show. And me and my dad had tickets, and he passed away like the night before. Oh that. shit! Yeah. I'm so sorry. Well, right. I mean, I'm sorry about him. I cover my experience. I mean, but it yeah. just was a bummer. But that's what was dragged on to be yeah. that like on the edge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in Sheesh. fact, it was weird because in Chicago, it was like it was like. One Sunday he died, and then Brent Midland from the Dead died the following Sunday. So I had yeah. friends that went to both those shows, and like they're like, "I'm not going to any more shows. People keep dying." Every yeah, time right. I see somebody, you know. Yeah. But, Damn. Yeah. What That's, do you have any any like memorable moments of shows you've either seen, seen or been part of here in Dallas? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, the the Beck Jeff Beck show well, that was, was in here. 2018, I think it was. Um, and I unfortunately missed him the last he was just here in September yeah with Ann Wilson and and ZG Tab and I had to play at the balcony club that night till nine so I time I got there Jeff was just going off stage and, and then afterwards Billy and I were <laughs> this is funny Billy and I were hanging out and he goes you met Jeff before and I go yeah and Billy had known Jeff since he was a teenager Mm-hmm. which I didn't realize. Hmm. Billy had told me that how he met, that his, I guess, sidewalks opened for him, or maybe it was a band before that, in Houston. And their Jeff's bus or truck, whatever they had at that time, had broken down. So they, and the next gig was in Dallas, and Billy had a truck. So he loaded all their shit in the band, and he drove them <laughs> to Dallas oh, wow. to make their next show. And that's when he and Jeff became friends. But that's the backstory on that. That's cool. But after that show, where Billy and I are hanging out, and we're on the bus with uh, his bus with, with his wife Gilligan, he goes, "You met you met Jeff?" And I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Let's go, let's go hang out with Jeff." And I go, "All right, cool." I'm like, get off the bus and walk out. And there's a bus pulling out, and Billy looks around and asks this guy, he "Goes, where's Jeff's bus?" And he goes, "That's it." Oh <laughs> it's like, man, damn, <laughs> just missed damn. it. And then he passed away <sighs> last month. Uh, a month before yeah which is really sad yeah they're starting to go now some of those guys yeah it's unfortunate he had he had gotten the flu the story i heard he's gotten the flu and he and his wife both and he 
she got better. He didn't. He was actually in the hospital on a ventilator and whatnot. And then that's where he got the meningitis. Was in mm. the hospital, which Jesus. is a place you don't want to go. You no. don't want to go to a hospital. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Wow. Do you do you have anything um, besides the stuff you're continuing to do? Anything else coming up that you want to talk about? Um, you know, I mean, as far as bands, we're getting into touring season again now. You know, although some bands never stop. Um, so you know, you know, my my sort of theory is if they come see me, I'll go see them. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't generally chase anybody anymore. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta. We're sending a guitar to Timothy Schmidt tomorrow uh, Sunday. He's buying an acoustic. He called him the other day. So generally higher end stuff. I don't. Absolutely. It doesn't go on my website. That's a phone call or two. Sure, sure. Or, do you, do you or just send Vince Gill a picture and he shows it there running, which is exactly <laughs> what just happened. Oh, I see. That yeah, I mean that's a pretty good uh, recommendation to say the least. Like, what do you think would be a good guitar? Well, Bill Vince is a guitar nut. I mean, his his house is in his collection in his house is just. Have you ever seen the YouTube videos of he has drawers that are like case line, like the lining of a case, and you pull them out and there's two guitars in each one of those drawers, and there's like. I don't know how many there are of those, wow. and then he's got a bunch on display, and it's crazy. That is crazy, but how, it's cool. And his, and his studio is there too. How many does he play like regularly, though? I mean, like live or recording? Yeah, I don't know. He, hmm. um, I think he uses pretty much everything at some point, though. Okay, I mean, he's, and that's what you have to do, especially yeah. if you're going to maintain a collection like that. Yeah. Well, also, I guess, I guess, when you're at that level, if you just want a different sound on every song, you can just right. change guitars in every song. Well, he's for one with the Eagles. I know he's. He was. I sold him a '58 Les Paul uh, Gold Top years ago, and I, he had been using that. And he had a real '59 Sunburst Les Paul that he uh, had been on tour, and then he just told me the recent. I guess the last, not this last time, but a year or so ago, that he said he wasn't taking the real 59 out anymore because he put a set of my pickups the better buckers in a bino reissue the clapton had given him which is basically an r9 or reissue of a historic 59 and he put my pickups in and he said that's what he's using on tour now with the eagles mm-hmm. he said it sounds well we sat in his house it was two years ago i drove because I, I had a guitar he wanted and went over and usually stay at his house because he and amy have this giant place that's just two of them but we tried his 59, a 60 Sunburst Les Paul that I brought, and his uh, the 58 Gold Top and that Beano with my pickups in it. There's no difference between the fall four of them. Hmm. Minuscule. I mean, just huh. it was like, whoa. Did so, he think, did he agree with that? I mean, or did he hear Well, something? yeah, that's why he's using it. Yeah, yeah. Those. I mean, Gibbons is using them. I mean, the list is pretty hefty. Keith Urban, The, uh, the Edge, Doyle Bramall, George Lynch. Um, all over Steve Miller they're all using my pickups wow yeah that's pretty cool is there is there any story of like like is there like a, any like the weirdest you know way you've sold a guitar or acquired a guitar there are but that's probably another episode oh okay <laughs> I'll have to think of some of those but okay oh yeah there's been some very strange deals I bet very strange yeah I mean so most people find you because just word of mouth I guess right Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is sort of a high-end clientele. I don't, um, yeah, I don't really advertise much locally. I mean, I did do some radio a few years ago, 
But it didn't really seem to. Well, the 45 people anything. that listen to this podcast are going to be rushing you after this, I'm sure. Right. Well, I hope they stay in line and behave themselves. Well, I can't promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very unruly crowd. <laughs> um, this has been fantastic. Uh, I wish I could think of more things to ask because I feel like every time I say something, well, something we'll else. We can just do it again. Up. We'll both yeah. make lists. How's yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. We shall. Um, uh, thanks again uh, for sitting with me, Dave, and uh, we'll see you next time. Great. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, Dave Hinson. You can check out Killer Vintage Guitars and all the stuff he's got to offer out there on the internet. Theme song, Unstoppable by Celine Narala. You can listen to the Dallas Famous Podcast every week on Deep LM Radio, Sundays and Tuesdays at 1 p.m. and then again on all the podcast places. Thanks again for tuning in. <laughs>